Hello my dear listeners of Radio Udan I am your RJ Babuji Janakarajan welcoming back to the latest episode of the great Indian monologue No Shambulal Shambulal is a great cook one of the best I would say and uh, he makes you know great dishes you know he makes you know such great dishes people would love to eat out of his hands right and nobody in uh, his vicinity nobody in his village or town or bigger area can match his cooking skills and what he does in the kitchen is unbelievable he is an unbelievable cook right so he keeps cooking up delicious dishes dishes after dishes and people they love all his cooking all the food that he gives and uh, whatever he prepares it gets eaten in double quick time and uh, the people around shambulal are happy and shambulal is also happy because they are buying out all his food this goes on for a while and then another farmer let's call him rajesh shukla rajesh shukla he sees this and he thinks you know heck i am also a good cook i will observe what mr shambulal does and i rajesh shukla will also try to do the same thing and see what happens i'm sure people would eat my food too so he starts cooking stuff may not be great stuff like shambulal but there are times when you know shambulal is not able to meet the demands of all the people around him so obviously some of them who are hungry and who don't have you know enough left from shambulal's plate they start going to rajesh shukla so over a period of time rajesh shukla also builds some kind of a reputation that you know though he is not that great as shambulal but he also cooks decent food which is delicious so let's go and gorge let's go and eat so there are a few more guys in the village and few more ladies who notice this and they think you know this is a great thing to do and uh, it may also give them a lot of revenue so they start replicating what happens is the word spreads and people from neighboring villages they start riding in or you know in their vehicles just to eat the food from the villages where shambulal rajesh shukla and the likes of his people are cooking delicious dishes day in and day out and at some point in time some point you know after a few months go by and after an year or two the fuel prices go up a bit <clears throat> so the people who drive in from you know who ride into the village from the neighboring areas they start thinking you know why do we have to spend so much on the fuel so if we start doing what they do in their village then we will have our local you know clients so the skill spreads they come and learn from shambulal and rajesh shukla they go back and then they start they they set up their own kitchen and they start producing fabulous dishes and one village becomes two villages it becomes four villages it becomes 16 it becomes 64 and in a rapid progression the whole country starts dishing out fabulous food right then the government you know which is monitoring what is happening in the country obviously because it has to do that for various reasons it comes up with a brilliant idea you know we have a country full of fabulous cooks and they prepare out of the world dishes so why not we market it to the global audience so they start you know doing some marketing campaigns all over the world and they take food samples and they even take the farmers they i'm um, sorry the see inadvertently i spilled the beans of the the focus of this you know talk show but i'll come to that later you hear only the cooks right not farmers the cooks uh, they you know the government you know takes them on a big tour european tour global tour and what not so they become quite famous and they start teaching in various places and a lot of people learn in their in their respective countries and they customize the cuisine and they start making delicious dishes in the lines of what these folks did from a small indian village
right? You fast forward a few decades, the whole world is busy producing food. And the consumer base is shrinking. The consumers have become tastier and they, and they start demanding more. They say, you know, we want that kind of a dish here. I mean, we want a dish which is prepared in India in summer. We want it now in America in cold winter because we love to eat it right now because we demand it because we have the money. Right? Somewhere the system starts cracking up. A lot of cooks in anticipation of the huge demand, they start stockpiling. So they no longer start focusing, they no longer keep focusing on preparing delicious food. They start focusing on and become worried about keeping enough stockpiles to cater to the demand when the demand comes. So they start building storages, they start storing whatever they could because you know when it comes to food most of the items are perishable, right? And perishable in the sense they will start rotting within a few days. So they get the help of the scientists and technologists those folks they bring in cold storage now everybody is happy because you know whatever a cook thinks of a demand in two years down the line he or she is able to stockpile enough material to meet the demand right now though the demand may come two years later a lot of companies get in they start building these storages and uh, you know then the electricity network it has to be strengthened to supply more power so more electricity generation units so more employment and everybody is happy because the whole world is a giant booming economy then what happens then catastrophe happens a couple of years there are absolutely no rains drought drought sets in now whatever you know food produce which is still in circulation they are either in storages or they are cultivated by few cooks you know who start cultivating too because they think you know as long as we keep buying stuff and then making our food we don't have control over the price so let's start growing let's start cultivating the raw material or the raw produce required for our food but then the drought it actually you know wipes out a lot of such uh, cultivated farms or fields so on the one hand they know that the stockpile they have is enough only for one year but whereas <coughs> the demand is sky high so they don't know what to do into the future so what happens they start rationing it out in the sense you know i can give you only this much this year and i can give you some more maybe next year but double the price because you know i do all the hard work i store everything and let's be fair i give you a plate of food for you know 10 bucks this year and if you want continued food supply next year, the price will be 20 and the year after it will be 40. So for a brief time, everybody who is in the food business, they keep becoming richer and richer. And the drought doesn't seem to fade away. It persists. It stays with them. So at some point in time, all the stockpiles, they start dwindling and they have a problem. They know what to do. If you just remove the cook, and put a farmer into the shoes of the cook. My dear friends of Radio Udon, my dear listeners, you would begin to understand the magnitude of the issues faced by present, you know, present day farmers. You know, farming for a very long time, for many thousands of years, was only meant as an art to produce food for oneself and their families. It stayed so till 1960s, 1970s and even into early 1990s 
but at some point in time it became a commodity it became you know something uh, which was beginning to be controlled by what i call the market dynamics so these farming folks who were happy for a pretty long time producing their own food and giving the excess out to whoever needs it on a exchange basis or for some cash benefits whatever you call it they started planting their crops and planting them according to a projected demand which may be coming in from a distant land you know in the long process of evolution of agriculture at some point in time it became a centralized production and centralized distribution in the sense farmers were no longer producing food for their own neighborhood for for themselves in the neighborhood but instead they started producing for some centralized mandis you know which would walk in and you know pay them a price and lift the whole crops lock stock and barrel so they don't have to you know sell retail they don't have to break the head over the marketing chain i mean this was idea sold to them and they bought it big time you know with all their assets right so they are stuck with the market and the market is a crazy beast one day it may say that you know i would offer you you know this much for your crop but next day it may turn around and say see there is an oversupply in the market so i can only offer you half the price i offered you yesterday so if you as a farmer hesitate and if you think you know maybe tomorrow i'll get a better price and if you walk in tomorrow the same market beast would offer you even half of what it offered yesterday so the farmers are stuck <clears throat> in a boxing match not just with nature not just with market forces but with greed also why greed because they think you know by stockpiling the supplies by producing more and then stockpiling them you know they could wait for an opportunate moment and when the demand peaks when the prices are really high you know, they can offload everything and make a huge profit so the profession which was considered noble which was you know considered as the feed line for the world it had become a multi trillion dollar industry and it is driven only by profits and wherever profit comes in you have greed and the flip side of it which i call fear right now the shambulals and rajesh shuklas they may not just have to be poor indian farmers who are you know fighting for some kind of a minimum support price in uh, the borders of punjab haryana and elsewhere but they are also the farmers in united states of america in ethiopia in ghana in uganda in mexico in ukraine in russia and everywhere why because all these folks who were happily producing food for their own people and for their own in the neighborhood they started producing food for people they don't even know you know who are going to eat this stuff they know that only a demand exists and the market forces will come in and buy something on future promises and so on and they started stockpiling lot of stuff which uh, i explained with the analogy of cooks the shambulas and rajesh shuklas i mean the american counterparts of them what they did last year was uh, the focus and the reason why i started this podcast today you know they moved away from a self sustainable farming based life and they started producing for markets not just in one or two acres but in thousands and thousands of hectares using very large machines right and that too only single crop like corn or soya bean you know very limited stuff wheat so they no longer produce a diverse basket of food but they have contracts you know big companies like cargill you know they actually promise to buy the whole produce from farmers if they can produce corn soya bean or whatever at a predefined price so they start 
cultivating only those crops, particularly the corn cultivators of America. They are delivered a gut punch by Mother Nature because you know last year when they harvested the corn, the weather forecast was drought, a very big drought, you know, hitting American landscape. So obviously the next crop would not give enough yield, so the prices would shoot up. So those farmers, because they produce in excess of what the companies like you know Cargill and others could buy, they started stockpiling huge quantities of corn. Huge is an understatement, humongous quantities of corn. Just to give you an example, 36,000 crores of tons. I can't even write the number in my head with all those right number of zeros, which is actually 14 billion bushels of corn, which works out somewhere to be around, you know, 36,000 tons, no, 36,000 crores of tons of a single crop called corn. So usually a farmer, however big the land holding he has, uh, big in American census, few thousands of hectares. Uh, he could he could store only a portion of it in his own land. And uh, what is happening in American landscape is a lot of big companies, you know, the grain procurers, they have built huge storage areas which could store millions and billions of tons of crop. They are called you know, silos, S-I-L-O-S, standalone huge structures where all you can keep, you can actually keep on a rental basis. So if you have 100 tons of corn, you can walk into one of these storage areas called, you know, silos and uh, you can deposit your 100 tons, you can get a receipt and they keep it for you for a monthly rental basis. Every month you pay some rent to keep your produce there. And when you think the market prices have gone up and you can make a huge profit, you walk in into the silo, you take out your produce and then you sell it in the open market at a much higher price. So the farmers of America, they thought, you know, they were smart, at least they thought so, that, you know, we are going to be hit with a drought, so the prices are going to shoot up, so let's not sell anything. So they worked hard to produce tons and tons of corn, and then they stockpiled, and they sat tight. They didn't sell anything in the market, or only some portions, and they kept majority of them in stockpiles. The script played out for some time, like the drought sets in, and uh, the farmers were happy, the prices started going up, almost some 25% gain, 30% gain, 40% gain. At, at this point, most of the farmers became greedy. They, they thought, you know, the drought is going to persist and we, are, we will be able to sell at double the price. So let's wait. Let's not sell it now. Because, you know, what if we sell today and the prices go up another 50%? So we would lose that profit. So let's not do that. So they start waiting even for a longer period of time. And then weather delivers a gut punch. Unprecedented rains sustained rains over a bit longer time and this year every single farmer in america has harvested a bumper crop which means plenty and plenty of corn but they are not happy because they already stuck with last year's harvest which they couldn't sell and because of this overproduction this bumper harvest there are a lot of corn available in the market and the buyers they haven't increased that many in one year so which means the prices have gone down so now the farmers are forced to sell to meet out their daily demands in you know, a repair work or buying new equipment for the farm by offloading their stockpiled corn at a much lesser price. So on an average, a farmer in America per acre, he makes roughly about $160 loss per acre. If you apply 80 rupees as a basis, 
so which works out to be roughly about 15,000 to 20,000 bucks per acre and they don't cultivate one or two acres they cultivate thousands of thousands of acres which means their losses are running into crores and crores of Indian rupees or even US dollars why this you know this is the greed the greed which is coupled with market forces which moved our farmers away from their original purpose or original profession of producing food for a self-sustainable life and to supply the food to the local economy the, the market forces moved the farmers away from that and brought them into mainstream into the global market with idea of you know an Indian farmer supplying his grains to an European customer now weather played spoil sport the whole thing collapsed and this problem is aggravated because the corn the, you know what they produce is mainly for livestock feed and for I mean it's mainly for feed purposes for feeding the cattle and you know the, the, the corn would be ground you know made into fine grains and then fed to chicken and so on and it is not meant for consumption by human beings so at some point in time because of you know, poverty these grains may be bought at very high prices for eating purpose by people who needed the most but the main purpose was not just to give you an idea about the magnitude of the problem created by this greed and the fear of missing out the future profit whatever quantity is stored in the storage areas in the United States of America and in many developed countries and even in India in our you know FCI the Food Corporation of India storage areas they deprive right at this moment food for more than a billion hungry souls who have born with us who are walking the earth with us and living with us today and who may not you know many of them may not live up to the night the night of the the night of this day when you listen to this talk show the great Indian monologue they may not survive I'm sure they will not survive because they are so starved of you know vital food they are very close to collapsing and they are not going to get any of the grinds from all these storage areas today or tomorrow or even into the near future because for the market forces they don't exist because they don't give them money because these people they mostly receive it through charities through you know global donations most of them are found to be in uh, poorer countries like African countries but increasingly their numbers keep appearing in developed countries also because of the economic disparity or the racial disparity or whatever so my dear friends of Radio Dawn, my dear listeners not all is well with the world we are sick and uh, we don't you know seem to recognize that we don't seem to seek for medicines in a near future but I wish and pray mother nature to teach them a big lesson as it has taught the American farmers last year by this drought followed by unprecedented floods to force them rethink whether whatever they are doing is right and I know it is not right but the wisdom the universal wisdom the nature's wisdom will prevail and things will change and we will go back to the local self-sustainable economy if not now if not into the near future definitely at some point in time in the future that gives me the hope which I share with you so don't feel sad I mean we have enough reason to feel sad but we also have hope that you know the darkest point in history at any moment is also the point at which the light starts entering life because then it cannot be darker anymore right it is already called the darkest point in history so when it comes to food and the way we see food as a commodity which can be exploited by markets I think we have hit the rock bottom 
the darkest moment in our food history. Things can only improve from here on, uh, but I don't know how painful or how long it's going to take, but I'm sure this will be the only way out. Thank you for listening, my dear listeners of Radio Udon, my dear friends. I wish you a very fantastic springtime. Spring is already in the air because of the screwed up weather pattern. The flowers which used to bloom in March, April in my city, they already started blooming in end January, February. So let's get you know, prepared for a rough ride on the weather front till things settle down. But I'm sure we will ride out this storm intact with our heads and hearts high, with our hearts filled with you know, kindness. Kindness for fellow human beings on all life forms which walk this earth along, along with us. Stay blessed. Stay tuned for another episode of The Great Indian Monologue. I'm signing off. Your RJ Babuji Janaka Rajan. Bye-bye.